Hey, good morning, Bethany. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm a senior pastor of Bethany, and by nature of that work, I get to be with you about once a month, Bethany North a couple times a month, some of the other Bethany locations as well. Uh, today, we are starting a new series. We've been in a series about something very different called Restoration, Life in the Spirit Amidst Racism. Really good body of work we're concluding. And now we're starting a different series, three weeks on Sabbath about what God has for us in this rhythm of renewal and restoration and how last five weeks pair with the next three weeks. You're like, how are we going to get there? We're going to get there today because the work for us as a church has never been more important. But if we don't enter into the Sabbath rest, if we don't learn to be renewed by new habits of discipleship, of resting into God's presence, we will be working from the flesh and not from the God's spirit. And so in that regard, there's never been a better time to preach about Sabbath because we're so mindful of the work that remains. But what is God encouraging us of a healthy rhythm, being people of Sabbath rest? So let's pray and dive in. Jesus, thank you so much for a moment to consider what your scriptures have invited us into this divine invitation of Sabbath, this divine rhythm, God, that our work will matter and we're to do it with all of our will, but that there needs to be space, God. Like in a musical movement, there needs to be some space in order to rediscover our identity. That We are not human doings, we are human beings. And so, Lord, open us up now to hear from you, not from a place of judgment or condemnation, but of divine invitation. Lord, teach us about Sabbath as we consider your rhythm. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. We're going to be looking at a couple of different places of scripture today. My title of my sermon is called Remember the Sabbath. And this is our first of the next three weeks looking together as a community about Sabbath, about rhythm. I don't know if you saw the news this week. Uh, the word of the year has been released from UK-based Collins Dictionary. The, the word of the year, they do this every year. This year, 2022, the word is permacrisis. <laughs> Collins Dictionary anointed permacrisis as their word out of 18 billion options because of the use of permacrisis and its rapid increase. Permacrisis comes from our current inflation, political instability. It sums up, Collins said in the press release, quite succinctly, just how truly awful 2022 really was. Permacrisis is an extended period of instability, insecurity. And the publisher went on to talk about climate change, war in Europe, cost of living, political chaos. We would add uh, racial reconciliation issues, all of the things. Uh, Collins continued in their release in the Washington Post. It was apparent this year that the conversation in the public discourse was dominated by crisis. And so permacrisis is that uh, which is encapsulated from lurching from one crisis to another without really drawing our breath. Lurching without breathing. Permacrisis. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. HarperCollins, not myself. What does God say in contrast to a culture that tells us permacrisis is our defining word of our year? How does Sabbath and restoration into a healthy rhythm of people who know what it is to do godly work in godly rest, 
How is that a particular moment that God has for us in the church right now? I would say to you as a senior pastor, it is, it does. God wants to speak to us. My hunch is that many of us in this room know how to work hard, know how to roll up our sleeve. And particularly after the last five weeks, let's talk about racial reconciliation. Many of you kind of chomping at the bit, like, all right, Bethany, let's go, let's go march. Let's advocate, let's disempower, let's disable systems of you know, destruction, the Imago Dei and God's people. It's, it's good work. But what God says here, in all work, there must be rhythm. And that's established through Sabbath. God says, remember the Sabbath. And for a lot of us, myself included at times, we, we think of it as a really godly suggestion. Like, eat the food pyramid. Is it nine veggies and six fruits and two? I, I can't even keep it straight. It's, do I want to eat the food pyramid? I do. Does it happen? Not always. Sabbath is something that for the Christian church in seasons, we've kind of put in that camp. But God says, remember the Sabbath. Without it, we become anxious. We become afraid. We become compulsive. We become a less godly version of ourselves. And so the invitation to remember the Sabbath is not a word of judgment or condemnation, but a divine invitation. You, as the beloved of the Father, some of you, God just says, I, I miss you. I want to be with you. I want to help you discover, as Jesus says, the life that's really life. And so when we remember the Sabbath and put it into practice as God's people, we remember our true identity. We rediscover our life. And so as we launch this series, again, you're going to get just a portion of it today. It's going to, you're going to hear more over the next couple of weeks. But as we launch the series today, I want to, I want to launch with three key assertions about Sabbath. And, and promise you that this stuff I'm teaching you has been very much working on my own life this week in ways that have felt inviting, in ways that have felt convicting. I'm going to be there in just a moment. But we've got to learn this together. So three key assertions about Sabbath that we'll look at today, that Sabbath enables us to rest, truly rest, godly rest. And second, Sabbath enables us to worship together. We're going to talk about the communal nature of Sabbath. And finally, Sabbath enables a new rhythm of both resistance and renewal. So let's begin here at the beginning. Sabbath enables us to rest and reconnect to God and others. Sabbath is a gift that maybe we've never needed more. And as you look at Genesis and exit different places, you see that the gift of Sabbath was baked into creation from the beginning. That from the beginning, God's like, I'm going to give you a rhythm because you're going to need it. It's not an accident. I'm inviting you to a divine rhythm. Look here at Genesis. God saw all that he had made, looking over creation. It was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. Different story for a different day, but you can unpack Genesis 7. Even the first days, one through six, there's an there's a evening and there's a day. There's an ending and there's a beginning. But Sabbath doesn't, doesn't uh, it's not limited in such a way. The Sabbath is this gift that God enters into from this perspective of work, good work, and now God rests. And so God's like, I'm going to show you what it is to reconnect to my heart. 
in the Genesis narrative, there's two Hebrew words that we would translate rest. The first is Shabbat, Hebrew word Shabbat, which we translate as Sabbath, which literally means to cease. It means like if you think about like you know powering down your computer or your iPhone, it's it's shutting all the way down. It's to rest or to cease. The second Hebrew word for rest is this word nuach. A nuach is a little bit different than Shabbat. Nuach is a rest that dwells with, it's very relational, or abides near, or settles for the sake of safety. Do you love that? The Shabbat rest, ceasing, and Nuach rest, which is abiding with. And in the Genesis narrative, both Hebrew words are used. That God brings order to chaos. He takes time to Shabbat from his work. And then a few verses later in Genesis 2, God, God settles us in the garden. He nuaks us. He rests us in order to abide with us. So from the beginning in the created order, there's this rhythm of rest, of Shabbat, of new walk. We rest in order to dwell with God, to remind ourselves that God dwells with us. And in that regard, we're trying to dis, disable that voice of shame like, oh yeah, I know, I heard Sabbath before and I don't do it all that often. No, it's an invitation that for a lot of us, we don't practice all the time. Walter Brueggemann has written extensively about Sabbath and he says, in this way, Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes, it's the pause that transforms Like this kind of rest, real Sabbath rest, shutting down your phone, being present to God in others, really worshiping, being outside in nature, giving yourself a unit of time, potentially even a full day. Like that kind of rest will transform you. And it enables you to go into your new work week feeling empowered, feeling encouraged. Rest is not a once a year vacation. It's not, hey, let's get out our phones and book our trip to Maui. Now, Sabbath is about a rhythm. That was the vision that God had, a rhythm of real rest. And it's a gift, a divine gift. And gifts really are, are, are by their nature, designed to benefit others, but they must be received. A gift that you purchase that goes ungiven is not really a gift. Sabbath is this great gift for us, for restoration, Abraham Heschel says, Sabbath is the most precious present humankind has received from the treasure house of God. Heschel's an, a Jewish scholar. Sabbath is the most precious present we've received. And so this call to, to rest and to, to move into a rhythm of regular connecting to God and others is really what God had set up really from the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He blessed humans in our divine calling. He said, you know, you have the trees, you have the animals. There's, a, there's work to be done. And then he ceased from the work, created Sabbath, and he called the Sabbath holy. When God blesses people in the Old Testament, they become fruitful and they lead nations. When God blesses days in the Old Testament, they have a purpose that we're meant to be mindful of. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the holiness of setting some time in your week, every week, to reconnect to God and reconnect to God's gift through each other. And it's countercultural. 
I think why I've been so moved this week as I've studied Sabbath is I've realized like as a church, we need, we need new tools. We need new, you know, divine invitations to remind us of this God who really loves as the church feels like it's kind of losing its witness in society. What if Sabbath and living countercultural one day a week is actually the great evangelism tool? What if it's the great good news of certainly the life of Jesus Christ, but maybe when our neighbors see us practice Sabbath or when you say at work, listen, I'm not going to be available on Sunday to return emails, but I'll be back to you on you know, Monday morning. Maybe those kind of uh, c- you know, constructive steps toward living out Sabbath become a beginning point for other people to see God working in you. There is an opportunity in Sabbath to discover how God has made us. In a, a divine stroke of, of what I call of God's timing, uh, Ruth Haley Barton, who's a pastor out of Chicago, she released just this month a book on Sabbath. I highly recommend it. It's been really impactful for me and my wife as we've read it over the last couple of weeks. It's called Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest. It's all about Sabbath and sabbatical. And so I highly recommend it. And one of the things that Barton says in her book is the encouragement to simply say yes to Sabbath is not to imply that Sabbath keeping is easy. It's not. It's not easy. In fact, Sabbath keeping has only gotten more complicated as our culture has moved away from distinguishing any one day as different from the rest. But to enter Sabbath time, despite all the challenges, there must be a real yes deep down inside. Yes to our need. Yes to our desperation. Yes to God's invitation and the lightness of it. Before we even know how we're going to make it real in our own lives. This is the very definition of faith. To say yes when we have no idea how it's all going to work out. But we know it's what we need to do. It is that deep interior yes that will carry us into and through all the naughty issues Sabbath raises until we emerge with a Sabbath practice that works. There really is no shortcut, no other way except through the doorway of desire, accompanied by faith that God is calling us and will show us the way. In this process, we learn for ourselves that yes, indeed, Sabbath is the most precious present humankind has received from the treasure house of God. She quotes Heschel there. It's a gift. It's not easy. And every one of you in the room right now has an obstacle or a barrier that's very real. The young parent in the room is like, are you kidding? Like we, we don't go 10 minutes. We don't go 10 seconds sometimes without a need or request. What does that look like? New career people, startup people, students. I get it. All of us, it's going to be really different. But I'm telling you that each of us is called to make a Sabbath practice that'll work. And my hope is that we leave here with this growing desire. Like Barton writes, there's no, there's no other pathway through the doorway of desire. And oftentimes we come to a place of rest when we're finally there, if we actually can practice Sabbath, so wrecked by our pace that it's hard to enter into. I'll tell you a story from my life. I like to fly fish, though I'm not any good at it. And I just enjoy being in nature to reconnect to God. And so I was going to practice Sabbath. I really needed the work of leading a church at times. You might be surprised to hear this, but can be difficult. And... (laughs) Thank you for your laughter. That means a lot. And I needed Sabbath. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all the work done. I stayed up past midnight responding to all those really important emails. Wake up early in the morning to get kids out the door. And I was actually a shadow of myself because I was so exhausted. I was short with my wife. I was not loving with my kids. I drive out to the river. I have no idea. I've never fished this part of the North Fork of the Snoqualmie River. And it's gorgeous. But I'm, 
I'm like, I'm hungry for something. But instead of just going to God or sitting by the river and saying, God, can you meet me here? I veered right to a local convenience store because I'm actually hungry too. And instead of getting, you know, it's hard to eat healthy at a convenience store, right? I get a like king-sized Cheetos and a IPA beer and not a small one. And I'm like, oh, this will make me feel better. So I drive back to the river and I'm like sitting in like the most beautiful part. Uh, Like this is like right before the rains and whatever. And I'm like feeding on junk. And I felt actually not guilty like I was missing. God was disappointed in me. No, but I just felt like I'm feeding on the wrong thing. You ever get that experience? I need something, but I'm feeding on the wrong thing. And so, like, I look at these wrappers, and I, like, throw them in the car, and I'm actually just, like, embarrassed, like, you know, wiping the Cheeto dust. Hard to hide Cheetos, you know? I step into the river, and God met me there. I wish I had a story of, like, a 20-inch rain. There was no fish caught that day. But it was beautiful. I lost time. I connected to my father. I, I Like, God met me there in a Sabbath, but... I almost wasted it by feeding on the wrong thing. How often do we either not rest at all or we enter into a place from like so much hunger that it's hard to really be with God there? Sabbath is meant to rest us, to reconnect us. The second thing the Sabbath does is it allows us to worship and worship not just solitude, worship together. Sabbath helps us remember to worship together. When scripture says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, six days you'll not labor, or I'm sorry, six days you shall labor and do your work, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant. Very inclusive language there. Scripture is very inclusive, male, female. Nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. It's all a gift for you. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And what God was doing there in Exodus, which has just kind of been blowing my mind a little bit, I'll confess to you, is he was giving a communal command to his people saying, I want you to practice together. I want you to rest together. I don't want you just to go out into your own caves, but Sabbath has a communal need to it. Now, for parents of young kids, they're like, well, my Sabbath is Wednesday. Or people that work, shift work on weekends, whatever. Well, my Sabbath, like, there's a ton of flexibility. But there is an invitation in Sabbath to not just be alone. If you think about your spiritual practices, and I hope we are, I hope that this season ahead, that God does a mighty work of renewal in this church. And it will come as we avail ourselves to the Lord's scripture and become people of prayer and worship. And, you know, I love it. I'm in. But so many of our practices are... They're so lonely. They're very much solitude practices. Read the scriptures, most of us alone. Go and pray, most of us do it alone. Go into solitude, unless we sign up for an ancient past trip or wilderness ministry, which I hope you will in the year ahead. But many of us do those things alone. And if we're not careful, Christianity is very lonely. But what God's command to Sabbath was, was the shared practice that when you Sabbath together, you'll discover more of my heart in community. So for roommates, you can have a Sabbath dinner. You can, you can set a feast of great food and great drink and be with people you love and enter into Sabbath rest in community and say, God has been so good. I love you all.
Like how sweet would that be just to be around a table like that? For families that are looking for real habits to disciple your kids, like, okay, I'm gonna read scripture to them. I'm gonna bring them to church. Like all those things are really good. By practicing Sabbath, it's actually a disciple maker. You're showing your kids, even by turning off screens one day a week, even by saying that mom or dad's not gonna work today. We're gonna go to the park or we're gonna go to church and then go out for lunch. Like when you name it as Sabbath, your kids are being formed in a countercultural practice of chain breaking and saying, your parents work really hard, or your parent if you're a single parent. But we take our identity as people who God has worked for us. That's what Sabbath does. And so there's this worship that happens, but it's meant to be an invitation together. And oftentimes, Sabbath in our evangelical circles has been just very privatized, or we've made it nominal, right? Like, well, Hebrews talks about enter the Sabbath rest, and Jesus, you know, saving work on the cross. Do we really need Sabbath? Friends, I'm inviting you. God's inviting you. We need better rhythms. It's not working for us, this ceaseless pace. And just that bridge between doing five works of a series I'm really proud of in restoration and now Sabbath, like how do we hold these things together? Let me tell you a story. Um, some of the reconciliation leaders of Bethany, which I'm privileged to call myself one of them, we were invited to a conference here in Seattle led by Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, a national conference of reconciliation leaders. And, and you know, you show up to one of those things like, all right, well, what new tool are we gonna get? What new advocacy program? What disarming, like, what do you got? You know, I'm, I was pretty tired. So maybe just a little cynical even as I rolled into the thing. You know what the nature of the whole conference was about? Sabbath. About worship. About being restored. And the idea that when you're out as a missionary, as a truth bringer, as a preacher, as a, you know, somebody forging your home, somebody that's doing really good work, if you don't stop and rest, the work will be in vain. You burn out. You're working from your own flesh. And so there's this invitation for us, I hope, that we're leaning into in the season ahead to be people of Sabbath together a beautiful approach, a a new wine for new wineskins, a time and a season for us where as a church, we can practice living into the restorative habits of God and worship. What you're doing today is beautiful. That's a part of Sabbath. The hope would be that you'd come and worship God and then you would go and be around a table with people you love or walk Green Lake or take your kids to the park Watch a football game if, if that brings you great joy. But as John Wayne and I were talking easy, uh, earlier, even sometimes like the things that were like, oh, I need to go get that, you know, Cheetos and beer to sit by the river. Like sometimes we're feeding on the wrong stuff. So just consider, God, where do you want to restore me today? And invite God into that and have conversations around that. That's why one of the most powerful Sabbath practices is literally just lighting a candle and saying, God has blessed us. We are gonna take this day or this time we've set aside and be thoughtful of all of God's gifts. Sabbath helps us worship. So Sabbath helps us rest. Sabbath helps us worship. And then finally, Sabbath helps with both resistance and renewal. There's a rhythm that comes through Sabbath that we really need, I really need. Sabbath resists the power forces that are trying to dominate us. 
And Walter Brueggemann has written extensively about how Sabbath was for the Jewish people. It was a chain-breaking exercise. When, when God told the people of Israel, I want you to practice Sabbath even in the desert. I will always provide for you. He was saying, different than your, than your slave masters in Egypt where you never rested. I will provide for you even when you don't work. Like that's mind-blowing 2,500 years ago in the desert. And God continues to want to blow our minds today and provide for us even when we can't do it on our own. Like towards that end as, as uh, resistance, because it was Brueggemann who said, Sabbath is the great resistance. What happened in, in Exodus when God was in, uh, in the middle of providing for people in the desert, if you remember, this is Exodus 16. God's providing for his people and they're like, Man, back in Egypt, we had a better. We didn't just have manna, we had quail. And God's like, all right, I'm gonna provide for you that too. And we, we like to like think fondly back in other seasons of oppression and miss what God's doing in our current season. Sabbath breaks that down too. And God tells people, go out and gather and I'll provide. And what Exodus 16 says is some gathered a lot and some gathered a little. There's different rhythms to how we work, but God provided enough. And then if people try to keep more than just a day's amount on anything other than the last day of the week, it would spoil. But then God said on the sixth day, which would have been Friday for them because Saturday was their seventh day, I'm gonna provide a double portion so that you can truly rest. And then there's this really sad, and I'll be honest, a little bit of a scary verse to me in Christian ministry, Exodus 16. But on the seventh day, even after God speaking to them from the cloud, even after God leading them across the Red Sea, even God doing all these things and just saying, I want you to rest. It says in Exodus 16, but on the seventh day, some went out to still gather manna, but there was no bread that day. I find that really scary because for some of us, we just don't stop. But it's convicting and encouraging that even in those days where they search without ceasing, God knows what they need. And it said there was no bread on the seventh day. As we practice Sabbath, it says we're leaving the old system that all that gives us value is what we do. Sometimes as, I think as men, we're a little bit worse than this but by women, but it, it's like, oh, you meet someone and what's the first thing out of our mouth quite often? Oh, what do you do? We assess people by their labor. We attribute value to their title. As people of God, we have a divine invitation to take our identity somewhere else, from something else, from God himself. Adele Calhoun said it like this, if you aren't resting, you're a slave to something. So this is what Sabbath does. It allows us to be chain breakers. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton again, she writes, we tend to think of Sabbath as being mostly about rest and replenishment, and it is, But if that's all we emphasize, it could come across rather soft. For those who were first given the gift of Sabbath, it was so much more than that. It was a sign, symbol, and lived reality of their resistance to and liberation from oppression. So friends, Sabbath is the great resistance to say, I am more than just who I work for. I am a child of the most high. And for people that are leading families, I'm telling you, practicing Sabbath is not a guilt trip. 
It is a formation practice. So let's learn to practice the resistance of what culture says our value is, is by practicing Sabbath. And the final kind of thing about rhythm of Sabbath is Sabbath really does renew us. Time and time and time again, God says in the scriptures, enter into my Sabbath rest. Don't miss it. Don't miss what I'm doing because you don't stop to be renewed. So let me just ask you, like, you know, you can consider this in the days ahead. Are you practicing Sabbath? Do you trust God, not just with your money, but with your time? Are you present to God in a regular fashion, not just in a quarterly or annual vacation? How might God be wooing you to practice Sabbath, to lean into some rest into the season ahead? The work's never been more important, but if you don't cease and dwell with God, you're gonna run out of steam. You're gonna run out of energy. I've spent a lot of my time in the last 12 years serving this church. I love it. I'm really proud of a lot of things we've done. Just helping build this building. I was here when we, we sold a house. We got to give 10% to build this building. We sat right there when Richard preached a sermon when our son died. We have worshiped in plenty and we have worshiped without plenty. And I feel like at times I haven't been a good leader with enough Sabbath practices. Years ago when we were starting Bethany North and meeting people and preaching the word and I'm an MDiv student and running a business on the side, no rest, no Sabbath. I was out doing the good work of the gospel and missing those right in my very family. Evening meeting, evening meeting, evening meeting with little kids. I came home late and my daughter who's now 12 she was a little girl and I was like oh I missed I missed cuddles <laughs> I was like no she's still awake and I crawled into bed and she put her head right against my chest and she said ah oh, you smell like daddy <laughs> at the time her nose was in my armpit so that's <laughs> something else altogether what reminds you of your heavenly father? Where do you rest and reconnect and worship? Who are you practicing faith with together? The work has never been more important. I'm all about the work. I want this church to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. I'm done playing it safe. Let's do incredible things together, shall we? But if we don't rest, if we don't practice Sabbath, we'll run out of steam. And far too many Christian leaders and churches have been led astray on the altar of productivity. No more. We practice Sabbath as a church. Let's practice together. Will you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for this divine invitation to consider our rhythm, to consider how you've made us, to consider how you formed us, that we are people of dust and your breath, God. We are finite. You are infinite. And so, God, from this place of desire and hunger, will you woo us back to consider our rhythms, to consider the work that we're doing, and may it be a blessing to you and the world around. But, God, may we consider where we're entering into your rest. 
how practically we're setting down the work to model that our dependence is on you and picking up habits of inhale and restoration and renewal by resting in your presence. God, inspire these people today to go for a walk, to shoot baskets, to draw pictures, to take a nap, to rest in your presence. Lord, we love you and all God's people said, amen.